Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast with me, your main man, host, Donald Wanda, and I'm joined once again by my arsehole in, well, my arsehole co-host, Simon Rads. Why well, drag it up? Well, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you need to, to make some fucking notes, man. Like, what kind of introduction was that? Well, you know my OneNote app isn't working. That's the problem. You usually have something a little bit more creative, but... Yeah, blame technology, motherfucker. Yeah, you're just going to have to be standard arsehole. So anyway, let's move along. <laughs> Guys, if you missed our last discussion, we actually spoke about the very well-regarded Hannah and her sisters. I guess we were somewhat critical of it, and I know when people hear that one they probably won't be happy with us but hey it's all opinions guys click on the top right corner of the youtube card if you're on youtube so you can go back and listen to that discussion we want to thank all the people listening on the podcast the views keep going up and up and up and up but just to let you guys know we do have a website in development which you can use right now it's called woodyadamretro.com if you're on youtube i'll put a link on the screen right now you can go there and just check out all of our content. We've got a hashtag you can just use in Google, Woody Allen Retro. Put it in Google. You'll find us on Stitcher Radio, iOS, Android, all the podcasts and apps you could ever imagine. Apart from that, guys, all of these reviews are spoiler discussions, as we always say. We would prefer it if you listen to, well, if you watch the movie, sorry, if you watch the movie first, then come and listen to us bitch and moan or praise the movie because we're going to be honest and we're your everyday blokes. We're not no movie snobs. We don't work for IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes. We're just two normal guys talking about Woody Allen. And no one has seemed to have done that before, which is why we're doing this retrospective in the first place. Ah, that was very romantic. Anyway, let's get on with this. It's Friday. Cool. So in that case, why don't you introduce the next movie then, buddy? All right. So another year, another movie. Here we are in 1987 this time around, and we're looking at the Woody Allen directed and written movie Radio Days. You know, I was quite excited about this one because with Hannah and her sisters, we talked about how Woody Allen was kind of uh, shying away from New York a bit. All his movies, if you noticed, between 82 and 86, leading up to Hannah and her sisters, were set back in the day. You know, we're, we're in present time, and it, it kind of felt like he wasn't happy with how the 80s developed he didn't feel as much home as in the 70s where a lot of things were set in present day and were very autobiographical he seemed to go through a nostalgia phase and everything was very nostalgic for how things were in the early 20th century and so on and so forth and with hannah and her sisters being set in the 80s and having a more darker you know kind of more depressing look at new york and a different perspective from woody allen i was wondering what is he gonna do next and I'm happy to say he finally got that nostalgia craze out of his body because this movie is nothing but nostalgia. I hope moving forward we can get something fresh because, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is Nostalgia the Movie. If you couldn't tell from the title, it's basically talking about the glory days of radio. Woody Allen's only in the movie as a narrator because basically in the movie you're following him around as a kid. His childhood memories, growing up with his parents in a Jewish household in the 1940s, I believe. And the movie is a collection of short stories that are basically intertwined by him and listening to the radio. Half of the stories focus on the radio personalities themselves that they listen to, so it's kind of behind the scenes. While the other half of the movie is his experiences, his mom, dad, uncle, and the broader family and the neighborhood's experiences, all kind of interconnected through this uh, shared experience of the radio. And that's kind of like the romantic aspect of the movie, how the radio was this magical thing that gave people a way to escape 
the mundaneness of every day. Yeah. But on the flip side, what's clever about it, that it's also a very realistic movie showing you the people behind the microphone that you didn't get to see back in the day who are more flawed and not as perfect as you may have imagined just by listening to their voices. Yeah, you, you got it right in one. Um, ooh, doo -doo -doo. This was another movie I could not remember for the life of me until we just rewatched it. And I thought the movie was just okay. Woody Allen said, it's funny you actually said all that stuff about Woody Allen in the beginning, getting the nostalgia out, because he actually said, after doing Hannah and his sisters and thinking about all the dramas he, he's done, he wanted to do something very silly, but at the same time, do something that's based on his past and as a kid. And again, you just said this as well. He's, he's actually been doing that for the last couple of movies, especially when you think about... Um, uh, the movie about the, the cinema back in the cinema the good old days even that movie the Great Depression movie which I can't remember the name of right now <laughs> oh yeah I mean if you think about it Zelig was said during yes, you know what yes. the 1920s same with Purple Rose of Cairo that's you it. know the glory days of cinema that's it, that's then uh, Midnight Sex Comedy was that the 20s as well or early yeah, 20th 20s. century correct, correct so a lot of going back in time it, it felt like after the 70s ended and there was a cultural shift in america he didn't really feel at home or at least his vision of new york changed and so i revisited it in the last movie you could yeah. tell that this is a different perspective from him this movie is just for me it's a sunday movie for the family and for that type of generation like my parents although they're black and african so they can't relate to the american 40s world war ii experience i just see this movie as catered towards people of all the Allen generation of that time me watching it i thought it was really nice seeing the time and here's some obviously we always get into a bit of trivia with the movies this movie is one of the most expensive he made at the time for a couple of reasons number one i think out of all of his movies this is the one that cost the most because the music budget he actually went and got so many licensed songs to fill the time and this movie, apparently, again, is one he shot mostly in a studio, not on location. And you can see that with all the recreations of the radio stations, especially when they go out to the big balls. You can see a lot of this is shot inside and they're recreating the times, the 40s, the mid-40s, the World War II era. So it cost him a lot of money. But in particular, the music rights, which is interesting because the music didn't stand out to me, but I could tell that it was the music of the time. So whether it was newly composed just for the movie or if there were hits at the time, I wouldn't know because, again, this isn't my era. So, again... Well, it's pre-50s before Elvis brought black music to the mainstream, you know? It's, uh, <laughs> before the bass dropped. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate on the nostalgic level, but to be honest with you, the movie is just its just a meh movie to me. It's Woody Allen is taking a break. We said this uh, before, I think with Midsummer Night's Come. He does these movies sometimes where, and, to um, me... Broadway, Danny, uh, Rose. Danny Rose. Yeah, yeah. Well, to be honest, even that one feels more narrative than this to me. This is basically just another script, skit, skitty kind of movie, which is fine. Even the skits, I found them very just meh. The one, that, the one that stood out to me, obviously I'm a pervert, is the one where the kids find a naked teacher through the window. That was good. She was kind of hot, hot in an ugly way. That, that's weird, but yeah, there are some ugly women that are really attractive. Yeah, just like, real, that's real lifetime and not Hollywood, you see. That's another thing about Woody Allen. He gets natural beauties. Well, most... Is that true? Does he get natural beauties? I think he's 50-50. I think he's 50-50. Because even some of his leading women, except for Diane Keaton, we know how much you love her, and we'll get to her in a minute as well. <laughs> <laughs> but except for Diane Keaton, a lot of his women in his movies, I mean, they're okay. But again, it's the... 
it's an era of the times but anyway let me not sidetrack let me just focus on the movie i honestly thought the movie was just okay it's a nostalgia movie i don't know if you're how much you're going to get from the movie but i will say the thing i do appreciate the movie this movie is a is a nice point where woody allen brings 95 or 90 percent of the people he's worked with in the past including diane keaton for cameos for just you know tony roberts of course you can have a movie without him well, we're gonna. Well, that's gonna break very soon. Actually, you can and you will. This, this their relationship's really over. Actually, I think this actually is the last one where he features for a very long time, like the two thousands. But this movie as well is another part of trivia. It is one of his most casted movies in terms of actors, extras. You can even see when you go back and think about that. Like, wow, he had a lot of moving parts with the actors, and a lot of actors had to shoot their scenes before, during and after, especially getting Diane Keaton. They could only come in at a certain time, so it was kind of chaotic. And the funny thing about this, this movie is, because this is another movie I appreciate more for the trivia, is just he was a very big perfectionist with this movie, from the set design, the music design, getting the actors all together. It cost a lot of money. Studio-wise, it was pretty hectic for him to develop. It took over a year. It went a little bit over time than it usually does. And then what you end up with is um, just a kind of family nostalgic movie that doesn't hold up as much as his other ones but, but it's not really bad and i think the funniest thing about the movie is he calls it a cartoon he actually refers to the movie this was my cartoon i wanted to make a movie that was just an exaggerated version of my past and my family's past and just like a kind of he calls it a movie cartoon which i think is kind of weird kind of probably shows the kind of cartoons he watched but to me <laughs> it's just meh it's an okay movie it's kind of forgettable definitely not one that's really going to stand out. And we, again, I know Die Hard's going to hate me for saying this. If Woody Allen's got 50 movies and there's movies you're going to skip, I'm sorry, this is one of them. I would just say that if you don't want to watch all these movies, this is one of the skippable ones, in my opinion. Here's the thing. Uh, my opinion is kind of weird on this one. So, you know me. I have a thing for movies that are shot in studios with, like, sets. There is a beautiful set in this movie. Uh, one, uh, The rooftop one. Yes. Where one of the key locations in the movie, especially for me, a Pharaoh's character, who's probably this is my favorite movie for her so far. Really? Yeah, because she plays this exaggerated character who is basically a cigarette girl having an affair with a prominent radio personality who's married, of course. And then she goes on to her own arc through getting involved with uh, a mob assassination where she's a witness and uh, she's too likable for the gangster to kill her. So he basically works out a deal where she gets a part on the radio and she becomes an actress, but she sucks. And then she develops this sophisticated accent to ditch her, uh, what was it, Brooklyn accent? I think yeah. she came from Brooklyn. And she becomes much more well-known and a completely different character. But at the same time, she's still the same person. Sure. So she goes back to the rooftop at the end of the movie for nostalgia. And that's where the picture ends. And that set is amazing because you see all the old billboards and stuff I like. Because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sympathetic towards that decade myself as well so those things i really appreciated also i thought that out of all the skit movies he did everything you want to know about sex what you were afraid to ask yep. broadway danny rose was like that a little bit no, i but... guess a little bit with this uh, nostalgia and recollecting old stories and memories i thought in this one he actually did a really good job of connecting all of them because you would listen to the radio with the family and then you would see the people making the show and get their story and their perspective, how they live their lives. So I thought he did a really good job connecting all these different moving pieces and the cast was sensational. I mean, uh, Julie Calvin 
played his mom. And not only she has a great comedic voice, but she's like damn Marge Simpson. I mean, that how often can you say that? And yeah, finally, Diane Keaton took him long enough. Yeah. <laughs> Even just for five minutes and just for a singing part, could have, you know, swapped places with a few other actors, but whatever. So I like those bits. What took the movie down a few notches for me, and it just comes from Woody Allen being, you know, a perfectionist, that even though he had this, you know, very romantic, glass half full perspective on this entire nostalgia trip, right? the decade, the characters, or his own childhood, he was still so realistic and so dedicated to even the smallest details of recreating how it was to grow up in that neighborhood and at that time with the rain and the cold and the, all these family members living under one rooftop so they were poor and the radio being the only escape and them being completely clueless of how people actually lived in the big cities who had more money, you know, the, uh, an ongoing uh, gag is that his uncle and aunt always talk about, oh, why did you, his aunt always telling his uncle, why didn't you take me here? Why don't you take me there? And it's like, his uncle goes like, oh, just take the gas pipe. <laughs> it's just like, just commit suicide, just kill yourself. Yeah. What you complaining about? And he gets in his jabs at religion, which is always funny, where back in the day, you know, Jewish people had to starve themselves to suffer for the sins. And anybody who didn't do it because they were leaning more towards communism, they were like, the real sin is what, you know, the big corporations do to the working class people. So all that's good. But because it's so realistic, you can't help but get pissed off of how shitty life was, how people basically lived like peasants. Radio was this big lie. And that was your only joy in life to fantasize about how other people lived. And then you see the people who got paid big bucks to be on the radio. And you're like, an idiot can do this today on YouTube. You had this short, bald guy who was, you know, the joke was that he was the voice of a hero, a superhero, the mask Avenger. Yeah, that guy, yeah. And all he did was just be happy on the radio. Then the, the guy Mia Farrow had the affair with, who was married, their whole shtick was that they sounded all suave and sophisticated with his wife. So their slogan was, have us for breakfast every morning. So literally... They had this like five-star hotel looking joint with servants serving them breakfast. And they just talked about their day and read the morning newspaper and talked about what they're going to do, where they're going to shop. And it was all endorsements, of course. But basically, you get to listen to how rich people live and they get richer while you just fucking daydream away with the sink in the middle of the damn living room washing dishes with 16 kids running around in a two-bedroom house. So I'm, I was like, wow, man, this this is depressing. Like, the humor sometimes escaped me. Mm, okay. I'm surprised you took it so seriously in that. In that no, I, I was just like, man, this is bullshit. Like, see, like this, my family comes from mobsters, bootleggers, and gigolos. So we never... Say, I first want to say Krypton for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. So we didn't play this game. Like, this is why they called people suckers back in the day where you, you you were just like daydreaming away in the radio how other people live i'm like yeah, take control get the money for yourself man make some moves you know play the game mm. but but yeah so that that was the only thing that this is supposed to be funny and it just pissed me off for the most part but that that's again to the movie's credit of painting a full picture but at the same time woody allen wanted to be all romantic about it and he 
he does succeed in some areas, like uh, the way his kids parented him, like got slapped all the time because, like, yeah. when, when they, you know, I'll, what he, I'll slap him. No, I'll slap him. No, I'll slap no, him. No, I'll beat him. No, you, you're too nice <laughs> on him. I'll beat him. And there's this great scene with the rabbi where he borrows some money from like the Jewish church because they were building a new nation of Israel or some dumb shit like no, that. No, that scam, that scam he does where he's begging people for money on the street. I did that scam to get money. And that's not what, I mean, he's lying to the public a little bit. But you know, I mean, it wasn't bad. So seeing him do that in the movie was pretty funny. And obviously the rabbi wanted to beat him as well. He's like, you're not going to beat your, my kid. I'm going to beat my kid. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but they get in an argument between the his mom, his dad, and the rabbi who's going to beat him. And they just all end up slapping him around in the middle. Yeah. I thought that was great. Speaking of which, do you know who that kid is playing Woody Allen? I know, it was Seth Green. Can you believe it? <laughs> you can say Seth Green was actually in a Woody Allen. People would be like, oh, I can't believe it was that Seth Green. Oh. No, they hate that guy's smarmy face, you know. Uh, I know, man. <laughs> that was the... He can actually say it was in a Woody Allen movie. That's pretty, pretty amazing. Pretty lucky for him. Yeah, that was the one thing I hated about. I'm like, oh man, this movie gave us that asshole. Fucking hell. Couldn't you find another kid with a big nose? I mean, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. well, you know, he was nothing when the movie came out. It just, you know, he... That's well, he it, still is. Some things never change. Oh, well, that's not true. I would say that's an insult, but that's not true. You know, he's making money hand over fist with his robot. I don't know if robot chicken sit on, but anyway, we digress. I just want to jump back to the Mia Farrow thing. She's fine, but she's not in the movie. I mean, the movie is, you know, her parts are just spread out all through. She's got probably like, you can say 15 minutes worth of content in the movie. And that's what I liked about it. You've never really praised her that much. You keep her good parent to Diane Keaton, and she's not even in the movie much. So, and the role she's played in this movie, it's an amalgamation of all the other characters she's played, to be honest. In the last three or four movies, it's, they're very similar, this kind of character. So I'm kind of like, this is the one you really like, but like you just said, because she's not in it that much. <laughs> really had, look, she was fine, but she was, the, she was the longest thread through the whole movie, honestly. The movie's fine. I just don't think it's anything special. And again, I know, oh, how could you say, how could you say skip the movie? That's just, you, you call yourself a Woody Allen fan. Listen, the general audience are not going to watch every single movie. What we're doing here in the retrospective is very niche. People usually don't watch a director's home filmography, especially when they're made. 50 bloody movies so again i'm just trying to be to the general public guys this is one you can skip if you just want to watch the best yo 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 i think that's that's a terrible idea the amount of idiots they watch on youtube i'm like next time you see a thumbnail that says you just need to know or i'm a nazi or the latest trump news how about you watch a good movie instead you know don't waste so much time on youtube don't make these assholes money see this that's why it pissed me off because the, f- the people back in the day in the radio that basically did nothing to get paid are the, the same people that today do nothing on YouTube and get paid for it. I'm like, who cares about your damn opinion? I hear you. I hear you. So, I mean, I don't have much more to say. I'm not going to shit on the movie. It was fine. It's perfectly serviceable. I just think it's a movie, you could, the, the age demographic of people born at time, the baby boomers, I think that's the right generational term or whatever. They, uh, they come later. When guys come back from World War II, that's the baby boomer generation. Oh, whatever. Then, yeah, you're right, actually. Is that, that's not that generation, uh, whatever. Fuck it. Who cares about labels? I thought the movie was possible. Whatever. I, I didn't hate the movie, but guys, again, let us know what you think of the movie in the comments down below. There's a lot of factual behind the stuff, trivia stuff that's really interesting about the movie, especially seeing all your favorites from the past movies, Diane Keaton. And actually, I'm, I didn't want to forget this. Let's, let's talk about Diane Keaton for a minute. Now, I will say, I was happy and yet heartbroken that she was only in the movie for like one two minutes I, I wish he even had 
a little segment. That wouldn't really made me much happier. So just for just because you're always bringing them up, Simon, I actually went into a. I went to a Wikipedia page. Why am I going to say something? I went to a Wikipedia <laughs> okay. page and I went to find out what what did she do during the period that she left Woody Allen. And funny enough, I have to say, as soon as she left Woody Allen after Manhattan, you know, she got nominated for another Oscar for doing a really good dramatic journalistic movie called Red. Yeah, uh, wasn't that um, uh, Warren Beatty? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He was in, I'm not sure. Yeah, he was. He directed it as well. It's yeah. based on, a, I think, a, a real person's autobiography, yes. a book. Yes, yes. But, a journalist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah, yeah. I, I saw the movie when I was a kid, yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, after that, her career kind of did falter. She she actually was not happy with her roles in the Godfather trilogy at all. She didn't like from the first, second and third one. She's got some choice words about her role because, you know, she's a big character actor. And she's a feminist and she said that in the first one, her role was non-existent. In the second one, they tried to give her a bit more, but she still didn't like it. And obviously, I don't want to comment about the third one. So, <laughs> oh, you're you're one of the haters. I just think it's not that good. But not oh no 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 no! I'm not I'm not a hater. I'm just generally people hate Godfather Three. I I thought it's, <laughs> I thought it's whatever. Just I didn't hate it. I'm not a Godfather fanboy. So, but moving on with her after that, she did team up with another director, a female director called Nancy something. I can't remember. And she kind of no, that was a that was a great segment. Thank you, man. Uh, you really painted a picture. Yeah, well, sorry, but this is the end because I'm only covering up to this point of this movie what what happened to her between her leaving Woody Allen because a lot of people just wanted her to, to work with Woody, but she left of her own accord and she said she wanted to diversify and not just be, you know, the 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 romantic the romantic lead to the Woody Allen movies. I know you probably say but she was great in that, and, you know, she could have gone further. But as an actress, I respect her decision. And as you know, we're going to have a, there is going to be another film with her and Woody Allen, that main feature. But as for now, I know you love Diane Keaton, which is why I digress so much. But to be honest with you, her leaving Woody Allen didn't really help her career, her acting career. But she did do things with photography, singing, and uh, she actually directed a documentary called Heaven, <laughs> which got panned because it was about if there was an afterlife and people just said it was terrible, absolutely terrible. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, you're the Diane Keaton fanboy. So this. No, I just, I just always thought that you know she doesn't get her dues. I mean, her and Meryl Streep are basically uh, on equal playing field. But if oh, you look at their careers now, Jesus, really, that's that yeah. is that's blasphemy. I think that's blasphemy. I love Diane Keaton. I love Diane Keaton, but that's really harsh. No, I, I'm just I'm just saying that if her career was managed better, I think they would be on equal playing field now, but I think Meryl Streep got all the credit. I think... Uh, no, Meryl Streep is a terrific actress, and I yeah. think she made great choices. She always... She made consistently good movies, excellent yeah. performances. All the credit goes to her. I'm just saying, Diane Keaton could be right up there. She has the talent. She has yes. the endurance. Yeah. It's just her agent sucked. Anyway, guys, we completely digress. If you want the more Woody Allen... What, yeah, what? exactly. Hey, relating to Radio Days, a movie where she features in for a total of two and a half minutes. You know what, guys? Full discretion. This was going to be our shortest review if I didn't pad it out with just some superfluous stuff. Shout out to Jeff Daniels as Biff Baxter, another radio guy. That was It was nice to see him in another Woody Allen movie. Yeah, like I said, he tried to get everyone back... And since I'm filling out this particular episode with other information, the one thing I didn't bring up and what we're not going to review, there is a short film that Woody Allen participated in actually just after Hannah and the Sisters, which we did, which I forgot to mention on the last recording. It was called Meeting WA. It was done in France by another director. It's only half an hour. And honestly, 
basically he turned an interview with Woody Allen into some surreal French kind of experiment thing <laughs> and it is just it's not good you can watch it I'll put a link in the description because it never got released anywhere you can watch it on YouTube or Daily Motion or whatever I didn't like it I just thought it was it's one of those ones where you know people call the French weird and they just their films are weird. it's one of the ones like what are you doing just I would have just watched the interview I didn't want you to add all this imagery and this music effect it's just it's just silly I just don't think it's artistic it's I think just, the word you're looking for is stupid yeah, I don't like to be that harsh. I tried silly, it's just a bit above. But yes, people do do too. So anyway, guys, that is it. Check out the Woody Allen Pages Watchers Guide for all the trivia on this movie, Radio Days. And Simon, I want to thank you for joining me on this one, which was relatively short, but thanks for coming on anyway. That's fine. I, after all, I like the movie slightly better than you, so it's good to hear a, a slightly different opinion. By the way, did you notice how it seems like Tony Roberts aged 20 years between this and the last movie? What the hell happened to him? Does he get divorced or something? It looks old in this one. Yeah, maybe that's why Woody Allen just cut him off off this one. <laughs> no, I was like, dude, you, you just the last movie was set a year before this. You know, was made a year before this. What happened to you? You know, he looks like he got hit by a truck or something. Well, you know, we're getting to a point in Woody Allen's career where a lot's going to change. Dun dun dun. Yeah, this movie here. This one, because he brought everyone back from the past. Moving forward, I have noticed that, I don't know, it's the beginning of, I don't know, maybe Woody was going through something. Well, people, you know what's coming. You obviously know what's coming in Woody's life. We're getting very soon. close to that period. So we'll address it as soon as the movie comes up as well. Actually, and not even I, there, there might be a special podcast that I might do with someone else. Someone that might be very obvious to people that we're going to discuss that particular element in Woody's life because... You can't do Woody Allen podcast without really talking about it. I might just do it with Simon, depending on if this other person wants to do it. But that person would be a little bit more qualified because they've done a little bit more research on Woody Allen. And that should be enough of a clue who I'm talking about. But anyway, guys, that is it. Thank you for listening on the podcast. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Give us a thumbs up. Check the annotation on the screen right now for all the other stuff we do on Planet Tyro, not just the Woody Allen retrospective. And until then, we'll see you on the next recording.